Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Happy New Year to each of you who gathered here today for worship and, and those that are watching online today as well. You know, coming to the end of a year uh, is typically a time when people look back a bit and also look ahead. Uh, another time of life when that's often the case is when a person is coming toward the end of their life. And that was definitely the case for the Apostle Paul. Uh, and this is going to become obvious as we during this new year now, uh, take up study of Paul's second letter to Timothy. In our New Testaments, we have uh, 13 letters of the Apostle Paul that were written to different congregations and also individuals. And 2 Timothy is the last of them. And in many respects, it's the most personal of them as well. Uh, and here then, we get a glimpse of, of Paul as an older man looking ahead at imminent death. And reflecting back on his life and, and treasuring his relationships and, and, and longing for the encouragement of young Timothy uh, and his presence with him. Uh, and, and desiring to speak a few more words of encouragement to Timothy, his son in the faith, while he still can. Uh, Lenski describes this letter in this way. He says, Paul the expectant martyr is in advance fortifying his child and through him the churches under him. And I would add through this letter then also fortifying us in, in our faith as well. You, you see, Paul writes this letter around 68 AD while he's imprisoned in Rome again, and, and this time under uh, Nero, the emperor, who is openly persecuting Christians and, and will soon have both the apostle Peter and Paul killed. And this imprisonment Paul is not merely under house arrest like he had been previously, but he is chained in a dungeon uh, with only Dr. Luke that is close to be able to visit him. And so Paul, quite aware that his time is short, writes Timothy with this sense of urgency and with heartfelt emotion. And we see that as we read here the first seven verses of this letter today. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word. We look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as, I, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's pray. 
Lord God, we thank you for this, your word to us, and, and uh, the personal nature of this letter as you write, uh, as Paul wrote then to Timothy. Uh, Lord, you, you can use this to speak to our hearts too about our own personal lives. And so we pray that as we are at this point and looking ahead at a new year, looking back on the old, that, that you would help us uh, to consider what's important in life. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. One of the first things I see in the very beginning of 2 Timothy is that Paul is so aware that his life is not his own. His life had been radically upended, you might say, from, from being a learned Jewish Pharisee who prided himself in his own righteousness and, and thinking that he actually was able to keep even the letter of the law, of the Old Testament law, and, and who had then persecuted Christians and even had them killed. Now this same man had become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and, and Paul was very aware this wasn't his own plan for his life, but rather he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. This was God's plan for him. God lined up the circumstances that led to Paul's Damascus Road conversion experience. And that led to his becoming then an apostle, one that is sent out by Jesus Christ to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul further explains in verse 1 here that his apostleship was according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Recognize now this is a man who is facing a martyr's death and he is clinging to the life that is in Christ Jesus. That life in Christ Jesus you see involves both life here and now, but also life even after physical death. Jesus himself said in, in John 10.10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He also said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in John 3.16, whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have eternal life. Paul has trusted and is trusting the promise of eternal life. And that's the message that Paul had been proclaiming wherever he went. And if it wasn't for this promise of eternal life in Jesus, there would have been no need for apostles at all, and God would not have willed Paul to be one. And Paul mentions one other thing about his apostleship here in verse 3. He says that he serves God with a clear conscience. His guilty conscience for all those things in the past has been cleared, you see, because he is trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross where the guilt of Paul's sins of the past have been transferred over to Christ's account. And he stands in before God in the righteousness of Christ. And that's the only way I know for us, too, to have a clear conscience. No forgiveness of our sins by trusting in Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin. And so again, as Paul thinks of his own life drawing to a close, he is so aware that his life is not his own. It is all in God's hands, and it is God's plan. And so then, beginning in verse 2 here, he reminds Timothy that's the case for him, too. And as we next then consider the life of Timothy today uh, and God's hand in Timothy's life, it can give us all pause to, to look back on our own lives and, and to see God's hand there too. And, and we too then need to remember that our lives are also really not our own. We're not here just to do as we please, but we belong to God. 
And, and Paul's letter to Timothy then starts out with this greeting. It's a, tip, uh, a greeting very typical of his letters, so typical that we might tend to even kind of just pass over these greetings without catching the importance of these words. But Paul begins, I greet you with grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And those three short words are, are theologically significant as they tell us both of humanity's sorry condition and also of the love of God for sinners. Grace. Grace is God's kindness to the undeserving. Mercy. Mercy is what God shows to the weak and, and the helpless that can't help themselves. And, and peace. Peace is reconciliation or restoration of harmony to lives that were spoiled by discord. John Stott summarizes the three blessings of God's love in this greeting here uh, by saying this, grace to the worthless, mercy to the helpless, and peace to the restless. And so Paul is reminding Timothy here in verse two that, that God has showered his grace, mercy, and peace upon his life through Jesus Christ. And he reminds us of that too then. And he goes on then to tell Timothy here, I am grateful to God for you. I pray for you constantly. Paul looks back on his friendship with Timothy and, and his opportunity to disciple this young man. And he's just overflowing with thanks to God for him. Paul's life has been enriched by Timothy. And Timothy is so often on Paul's mind, it's like a parent concerned for his or her child. I used to think when I was a kid growing up um, that, you know, when, when uh, your own kids grow up and they leave home, then they're no longer a parent's concern. I'm learning that's not the case at all. They are often in our thoughts and our prayers, sometimes even in the middle of the night, aren't they? And Paul is saying that of Timothy. He, he's saying it's like that. I constantly remember you before God in my prayers, night and day. And he's saying further here to Timothy, looking on you as my spiritual son, then I, I, I long for time with you again. You know when a parent is nearing death, who does he want close by? Often it's their children. Years ago, I did an in-depth study of the Apostle Paul's life, and, and uh, I wrote my master's paper uh, on Paul's discipling relationships with Timothy and Titus and Priscilla and Aquila. And I, I had known that, that Paul um, took Timothy with him on a couple of missionary journeys, and that eventually he left him uh, to take care of congregations there uh, as a pastor in Ephesus. But, but what I found really eye-opening was this. The, the length of time that that relationship involved, uh, according to my calculations, from the time that Paul had helped to bring Timothy to personal faith in Jesus till the time that he wrote this letter to him, it was at least 17 years. And, and perhaps that helps us understand then the depth of this relationship and why Paul longs to see Timothy again before he dies. And, and later in this letter, he will urge Timothy, come see me before before winter. Paul also looks back on Timothy's faith journey and, and he tells him here, reflecting on your sincere faith, Timothy, I, I recognize the influence of godly fam family members in your life. 
Verse 5 here, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. The, the very genuine Christian faith that Paul sees in the life of Timothy, you see, didn't uh, develop in a vacuum. Yes, Paul was in, instrumental in pointing Timothy to Jesus, but Timothy had a home life that laid a foundation of belief in God and Judeo-Christian values. His father was a Greek. Uh, we don't even know his name or much more about him. But his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, were sincere, godly women who would come to believe in Christ. You see, Christianity is, is both taught and also caught. Its foundation is theological, rooted in fundamental truths concerning God and man and Christ in our response. But, but Christianity is also practical. It, learning to live in a personal relationship with Jesus. It, it, it's something that is experienced in community with other believers. And, and this is best nurtured in, in the home as well as in a congregational setting. And as you look back then on your own life, if you're a Christian today, who were those godly influences that laid a foundation of your beliefs? And from whom have you learned to live out that faith in a day-to-day -day life? Take a minute and stop and think about that and thank the Lord for those people today and for the influence that they've been on you and the example they set for you. And also then purpose today to be that kind of an influence in someone else's life. And if you do not know a personal relationship with Jesus today, will you not also stop and think here today and, and recognize that God has placed people in your life that he is using to nudge you toward him. Take a look at their lives. See their sincere faith. Recognize that they're not just being religious, but they know a relationship with God that shapes their day-to-day -day lives. And you too can come to know that kind of a relationship with God if you will confess your sins, believe in Jesus for forgiveness, and become a part of a regular fellowship of believers. As I think about my own life, I was so blessed to grow up in a home where both dad and mom lived out that personal living relationship with God. They were far from perfect, but I saw that they lived under authority of a higher power and they sought to live out consistent with what they said they believed. And they were involved constantly in a local Christian congregation. When I went through college, Challenges and doubts and temptations came my way. And some of my professors suggested, for instance, that Christianity was kind of an outdated, man-made set of rules to try to follow. But I knew that it was much more than that. It was a living relationship with Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord. I'd seen that lived out in the lives of my parents and my Sunday school teachers and, and many others in my home congregation. Well, Paul is reminding Timothy here that as he recognizes how God used his mother and his grandmother and their unique personalities and their gifts to nurture his Christian faith, so God can use him to do the same in the lives of others. You might have noticed my sermon title today, Kindle Afresh the Gift Given to You. It comes actually out of the New American Standard version of verse 6 here where it says, and for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. Now, what does it mean to kindle afresh? Well, first of all, what it is not. Uh, 
what comes to many minds when you hear that word Kindle these days is the Amazon Kindle e-reader um, that allows you to read books cheaply online. It has nothing to do with that. Now I want you to think today about kindling a campfire or, or a fire in your fireplace. You start with lighting a few twigs or, or little shavings of wood in order to get the fire going. And then you add in the bigger pieces. And if that fire is almost out, you, you add some more kindling. And then you blow on it and you fan it into flame. Well, here in verse 6 here, Paul is saying to Timothy, remembering the gifts of, that God has given you, I encourage you to fan it into flame. He says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See, back in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he also references this specific time in Timothy's life where hands were laid on him to commission him for his role as pastor and leader. Uh, we might look on that as his ordination service. And, and we can't say for sure just what gift Paul is referring to here, but scripture describes the role of pastor-teacher as a spiritual gift. And whoever, calls, whoever God calls in to serve as a pastor and teacher, he also equips with spiritual gifts to carry out that ministry. And what helps us understand the dynamic here then is to recognize that Timothy was young for the role that he was called to here, and he was also a bit of a timid personality. And so he could easily end up then just kind of holding back from really leading in the setting that God had placed him. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul had encouraged Timothy not to let anyone look down on his youthfulness, but rather to set an example with his life. And here he reminds Timothy that, that God has called him and he's also gifted him then to carry out that ministry. So don't pull back in doing it. Rather fan your gifts into flame. And you know, this brings up kind of an interesting tension that it always exists in the Christian life. As we seek to understand divine sovereignty and also human responsibility. On the one hand, God has given us so much. He has, he has given us forgiveness of all of our sin and granted us eternal life. He continues to give us his grace, his mercy, and peace in Jesus Christ each and every day. And, and he gives us people in our lives who care for us and who pray for us constantly and, and who have taught us and, and have lived out their lives as examples to us. And he's given us spiritual gifts and abilities to use in serving him. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says this way, He has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. In that same chapter, Peter goes on to tell then of the need for us to apply all diligence in our walk and our service. Maybe some of you are a bit like Timothy, by nature timid, and yet called to lead in some way. Or maybe you're not gifted in being up front and you rather are gifted in serving behind the scenes. Now, we can all grow weary in our service and, and shrink back because of criticism or other things. And I believe that the application from this text today for us all is, is in this title, Kindle afresh the gift that God has given you. Whatever gifts and abilities God's given you, use them to serve him and to serve others. Don't sit on your hands. Don't say, there's nothing I can do. Pray for direction and then step out and, and serve. And Paul reminds Timothy why it is that he should fan, that, uh, fan into flame the gift that God's given him. He says here in verse 7, do not be fearful. 
For God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. In the New American Standard, it says God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Timidity is lack of courage or confidence. ESV uses the word, he's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is, is a distressing emotion that's aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain, uh, whether that threat is real or maybe even just imagined. And we all, at times, hold back from service for various reasons, but often it is timidity or fear. And when that's the case, we forget or we overlook that we who are Christians have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. And he is not a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and self-control. John Stott sums it up this way. He says, since he is the spirit of power, we may be confident of his enabling as we exercise our ministry. Since he is the spirit of love, we must use God's authority and power serving others, not in self-assertion or vainglory. And since he is the spirit of self-discipline, we must use our gifts and with appropriate reverence and restraint. Because our spiritual gifts are not about us, not to draw attention to ourselves, but to edify and to build up the body of Christ for his glory. So here we are at the end of the year and the beginning of another. And it's an appropriate time for all of us to look back and to look ahead. It's a time to review where we've been and how we've gotten where we are spiritually and in other aspects of our lives as well. It's a time to thank the Lord for his many gifts to us and, and to set goals um, and establish fresh purpose in our lives. And, and many of us, like the Apostle Paul, are also getting older. And, and though we may not expect that death is just around the corner, like he did, we do recognize, for many of us, we have a lot more of our life behind us than we do ahead of us. And, and with that realization, then, should come a mix of thankfulness to God for his goodness to us in so many ways over all those years, and then also a desire to make the time we have remaining on this earth count for what really matters. Helping others on the way to eternity, pointing them to the abundant life, the eternal life that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I give you thanks for the Apostle Paul's personal letter to Timothy. He shares perspective on his own life and encourages Timothy to do the same. Lord, we look back today and, and we recognize your hand provision and blessing on our lives in this last year. But much more than that, Lord, for many of us, it's many years. Thank you for that. Help us that as we look ahead, we would not be fearful um, but we would not be timid in, in uh, living out our faith and, and sharing it with others. But Lord, that you'd give us a fresh boldness to do so, recognizing that you have, we have the Holy Spirit living within us to empower us and to guide us. And Lord, I, I pray if there are those here today who, as they look back, uh, have, have regrets, uh, Lord, that you would remind them that in the gospel there is full forgiveness for all of their sins of the past. And uh, they are laid on Christ, and, and we stand in his righteousness. Lord, I, I pray that if there be somebody who does not know that personal relationship with you, you draw them to yourself even today to see that, that uh, in you is abundant life and, and eternal life. 
And Lord, we pray that you'd help us, that uh, as a congregation, we would live out that faith in such a way that uh, we would serve each other and, and whoever comes in our door and, and those that we know in our neighborhoods and workplaces and wherever it would be, Lord, and that our, our lives would reflect uh, your love for us and uh, you would give us opportunity to be bold and to share more about that. Uh, we ask your blessing on us as we come together at, at the Lord's table and uh, we come mindful that we all together are sinners in need of your forgiveness and thanking you for that. And also, Lord, that we need your empowerment uh, to continue to live in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.